Good morning, everyone. A very warm welcome uh, to worship this morning at St. Columba's Dairy Volgi. Whether you're here with us in the building or you're watching us online, you're very welcome. Let us just take a moment from the hustle and bustle of whatever we've been doing this morning or whatever we have yet to do today. Let's set that to the side as we remind ourselves that, ourselves that we are in God's presence, that he is with us. A sentence of scripture from John 1 verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and full of truth. A collect for the first Sunday after Trinity. God, the strength of all those who put their trust in you, mercifully accept our prayers and because through the weakness of our mortal nature, we can do no good thing without you. Grant us the help of your grace, that in keeping of your commandments, we may please you, both in will and deed. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We come in our service to a time of confession. We confess the things that we've done that we shouldn't have, and we think of the things that we didn't do that we should have. We believe in a God who doesn't miss a thing, and so we come to a time of confession. God of truth and mercy, where we break down, you build up. Where we damage, you repair. Where we blaspheme, you bless. Where we isolate, you include. Where we go wrong, you put us right. Where we confess, you forgive. Where we begin again, you are with us. And so we come to a time of confession. Lord Jesus, when our in crowd is not your crowd, Forgive us and help us to build community. When our words are harsh and our actions unkind, forgive us and help us to build community. When we judge others rather than join with others, forgive us and help us to build community. When we are set in our ways and not open to change, Forgive us and help us to build community. May the Father of all mercies cleanse us from our sins and restore us in his image to the praise and glory of his name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our appointed psalm for this first Sunday after Trinity is Psalm 138. And we'll say this in alternate verse. But as we say these words, we say it not just out of tradition because it's something that we do every Sunday, but there is something about being able to recite scripture together without fear of persecution. So we say together in alternate verse, Psalm 138. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. 
Before the gods I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple and will praise your name for your unfailing love and your faithfulness. For you have so exalted your solemn decree and it surpasses your fame. When I called, you answered me. You greatly emboldened me. May all the kings of the earth praise you when they hear what you have decreed. May they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. Though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly. Though lofty, he sees them from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. Your right hand, you save me. The Lord will vindicate me. Your love, Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. Amen. This morning I have brought with me a type of fruit. Does anybody know what these are? Apples, yes, they're apples. But do you think these apples came from the same tree? They're all apples, but yet they look a little bit different, don't they? We've got a Granny Smith, we've got a Pink Lady, and I think this is just your normal kind of supermarket apple. <laughs> you would not find a tree that had all these different kinds of apples growing on it. And the Bible teaches us in Genesis 1 verse 11 that every seed will bring forth fruit of its own kind. So we know that apples, every apple does, comes from a different tree. But let's think about people for a minute. Have you ever had someone say to you that you look just like your sister or your brother, or maybe your mom or your dad, and you're thinking, oh no, I look like my parents. Who thinks they look like someone in their family? Yeah, we all look like, we all have some kind of features that look like someone in our family. And just like with the apples, people from the same family tree may have some similar looks. They may have the similar skin colour, maybe eyes or hair, height, shape of the nose or even body shape. And this happens all because these physical characteristics are passed on from generation to generation. You may have red hair, but your parents don't. But perhaps your granny or your granda has red hair. Isn't that cool that we have something passed down from generation to generation? But there is another kind of family tree that we can all belong to, no matter what our last name is. In this family, we don't all look like each other. Which family am I talking about? Anybody know? The church family, I'm talking about our church family and God's family. No matter what your last name is, no matter what you look like or what country you live in, we can all be a part of God's family. Now, if we all look different, if we all have different hair, if we all have different colour of eyes or even the shape of our nose, how will our brothers and sisters in God's family recognize us? 
we will recognise each other by our God-like characteristics that we have. And these characteristics are not physical, like our hair and our eyes. The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel, the Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So we'll know that we belong to God's family by looking at each other's heart. Here's one more thing that I want you to think about this morning. God chooses which family that we are born into and with what physical characteristics we will have. God chose which family I was born into and you were born into and how we will look. But God cannot make us be a part of his family tree. God wants us to be one of his children and to choose to be in his family, to accept him as our heavenly father and be a part of his family tree. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our families. We thank you for our mums and dads, our brothers and sisters, our aunties and uncles, and whoever comes to our minds. But Father, we thank you that we not only have one family, but we have two families, that we have a church family, but we are a part of your family. So as we reflect on how we may look compared to our other family members, may we know that we are invited to be a part of your family and may each one of us accept to be a part of your family tree. In Jesus' name, Amen. Karen is going to bring us our reading. Today's reading is from Mark chapter 3, verses 20 to 35. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again, so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebul, and by the prince of demons he casts out the demons. And he called them to him, and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods, unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man, and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying, he has an unclean spirit. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside they went to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, your mother and brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Thank you to Karen. 
Last week we finished uh, our sermon series in Ruth uh, and as we go throughout the summer months we are going to be preaching on the gospel uh, according to the lectionary. So today's passage is Mark 3 verse 20 to 35 but before we get stuck in let us pray. Heavenly Father we give you thanks for your word that it is so freely available to us. And as we come to it now, Father, we pray that by your Spirit, you would open our ears to hear your voice, open our eyes to see you. And may you put upon our hearts what you need us to hear this day. In Jesus' name, Amen. I was reading a story the other day that says most of us take better care of our cars than we do our mothers. And yet we expect our cars to last five to six years, but we expect our mothers to last a lifetime. So this guy has come up with the maintenance manual for mothers. And here are some of the items that he believes should be included within it. Firstly, the engine. A mother's engine is one of the most dependable kinds you can find. She can reach top speed from a prone position at a single cry from a sleeping child. But regular brakes are needed to keep up the peak performance. Mothers need a hot bath and a nap every 100 miles, a babysitter and a night out every 1,000 miles, and a live-in babysitter with a one-week vacation every 10,000 miles. Now the battery. Mother's batteries should be recharged regularly. Handmade items, notes, unexpected hugs, kisses and frequent I love yous will do very well for a recharge. The carburetor. When a mother's carburetor floods, it should be treated immediately with Kleenex and a soft shoulder. Brakes. See that she uses her brakes to slow down often and come to a full stop. A squeaking noise indicates the need for rest. Fuel. Most mothers can run indefinitely on coffee, leftovers and salads, but an occasional dinner for two at a nice restaurant will really add to her efficiency. And finally, tune-ups. A mother needs regular tune-ups. Compliments are both the cheapest and most effective way to keep the mother purring contently. Oh, oh yes, and let's not forget to speak to mother lovingly and respectfully, especially when she reminds you to drive carefully and have a good time. If these instructions are followed consistently, this fantastic creation and gift from God, who we call mother, should last a lifetime and give good service and constant love to those who, lead, who love her most. In this passage, we witness Mary coming to Jesus, Jesus' family coming for him. And we know that Jesus loved and looked after his mother, but there was a time, as we see in this passage, where she needed to look after him. See, there came a time in Jesus' ministry when his family came to seize him. And the Greek is translated as to arrest, their intention was to forcibly remove Jesus back to Nazareth. Nazareth. And Mark tells us why in verse 21. 
He says, because he was out of his mind, as what we would say today, crazy. They thought Jesus had gone crazy. Now, previously to this passage, we know that Jesus healed, but he also called out the religious leaders on their legalism because they cared more about the regulations of society and of the religion rather than the actual health of the worshiper. You see, Jesus was their enemy. They almost, in a sense, came up with this conspiracy theory. And we heard Karen read for us in verse 22. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said he was possessed by Bezidil. By the prince of the demons, he is driving out the demons. It's almost this conspiracy theory that they're hatching against Jesus. It's almost like one of those comments that you see on social media that tries to downgrade a local business. But hatred will always find a way to dismiss the truth rather than respond to it. Now you could be forgiven for thinking that when Jesus arrived back in Nazareth that he would be greeted as this hero. But that wasn't the case. Yes, the people had gathered around him, no doubt because of the news how what he had been doing had reached them. But instead of being there to welcome home the son of Joseph and Mary with warm welcoming arms, there was something else on their minds. He had gone out of his mind. Theologian Tom Wright tells this story relating to this passage. He says, from the safety of my armchair, I watched the mass demonstration on TV news. It started peacefully, at least on the surface. Banners and placards gave out a strong message and the crowd seemed relaxed enough. The police were standing well back, waiting, watching for trouble, but quite cheerful. Some of them even joked with marchers who went by. Nobody knew how it happened. But suddenly everything changed. There was a scruffle and a scrap and a whole section of the crowd stopped marching and started shouting at the police. Some threw bottles. The police charged the demonstrators swinging batons at random. The battle quickly spread up and down the street. Shop windows were smashed and hundreds were arrested. The close-up TV shots and the recordings of what people were saying at the time made it clear what had happened. The police had decided that the demonstrators were scum and the demonstrators had decided that the police were pigs. Once they had labelled them like that, they could do whatever they liked. They were no longer dealing with humans but with animals and dirty ones at that. Raise the stakes and stick a label on people and then it doesn't matter what you do and who you hurt. That's what seems to be going on in the world of Jesus in this passage. After all, it's Jesus' own family that thinks he has gone mad. This simple carpenter's son had managed to upset the status quo and because of it, People were in a state of unrest. There was anything but calm. We may ask ourselves, 
Why did Jesus' own family resort to such extremes? Well, there's a couple of reasons why. Firstly, they loved him and they'd done what they thought was best. They could see that he was tired and people were concerned about him. And so they loved him and thought they should come and encourage him to have some rest. Secondly, they were concerned about his health. In verse 20 to 21, we read, Then Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said he was out of his mind. In a culture where meals were actually rituals and food was scarce, it was considered insane to not even eat. His family were afraid that this crazy lifestyle, this packed schedule, would in the end kill him. You see, Jesus was radical. Jesus wasn't the Davidic king that the people had thought would come to save. We read in the Gospels that he associated with those outside of society. He associated with tax collectors, with people who were sinful and regarded as someone not to go near in society. He was radical. He'd done the totally unexpected. But his family believed that the time had come for them to save him. Jesus wasn't being understood. And John's Gospel notes at the end of his Jesus ministry, even his own disciples were questioning. And Paul was told by Festus that he was out of his mind for even believing these things that Jesus says. Jesus based the claim that in his work, God's kingdom is arriving is true, even if their labelling of him as crazy is inaccurate. But of course, the label is wrong. Jesus offers a different account of what's going on. He says the stronger one has arrived and the strong one finds his house being burgled. Jesus' healings and particularly his exorcism are signs of God's kingdom arriving. The kingdom in which people have been held captive will at last be set free. Now, we can mistake ourselves by thinking Jesus was being a wee bit rude to his family when he didn't go with them. But you see, he knew that their motives were right, but their purpose was wrong. If he had have went with his family, he would have played into the hands of the religious leaders who opposed them. Because they would have said, see, he agrees with his family. He needs help. Don't take him too seriously. But instead of giving in, Jesus used this crisis as an opportunity to teach a spiritual lesson. And the spiritual lesson is this. Put God above everything else. He was not suggesting that we ignore our families in order to serve God. It is God's will that we care for our families and love them. But we must not let them influence us away from the will of God. If Jesus is who he says he is, 
then the sanest thing in the world is to follow him. If he calls us to total commitment, then anything else is crazy. Perhaps we need more of Christ's zeal and enthusiasm in the world today. So now that we've looked at the background of that passage, what does that mean for us today? Well, in this passage, we see that Jesus faced conflict between his family. They wanted him to do something and he knew that he needed to do something else. We all face conflict within our lives, whether it's between family or whether it's conflict that we see within the news. But notice Jesus' response. He doesn't lash back. He doesn't have a label for these scribes that are against him. He merely points out the flaw in their thinking. He gently reminds them that they are wrong. He doesn't lash out. There's a lot in this passage to be said about relationships and how we behave towards one another. And in a sense, Jesus redefines what a family is. He redefines the family unit as those who do the will of God and draw the boundaries for what it means to be a community. It's hard all the time to be fully aware of what is influencing us. And we need diverse and honest voices to speak into our lives, to encourage us, but also to challenge us. Who are my mother and my brothers? You see, as I talked about earlier, we each have two families. We have our church family and our earthly family. Jesus here is reminding us that the two at times can be very different. Perhaps you have a family you enjoy spending time with and there's mutual love. Or perhaps you have an earthly family who doesn't have faith and you find it difficult to be around them. Possibly they even don't understand you or the choices you have made in your life. And these have caused strains on your relationships. Then there is your Christian family, the one who share in the household of faith with, the ones who are there to support you whenever you aren't able to support yourself, the one who prays for you as you pray for them, the ones who you share the grace with. Jesus based the claim that in his work the kingdom of God is arriving. Regardless of what our earthly family is like, whether we have a good relationship or a bad relationship with them, we all have an opportunity to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And that isn't to say that we don't at times disagree, but hopefully it means that we can resolve issues and we can be found to have a godly way of resolving our indifferences. A place where gossip and malice shouldn't exist. But what does that mean for us right here, right now? This passage is in fact a powerful witness to the remarkable things that Jesus was doing in the land. The crowds hoped Jesus would deliver the nation, but rather he called 12 ordinary men 
and founded a new nation, a spiritual nation whose citizens' names were written in heaven. The crowd wanted Jesus, a loyal Jew, to honour his family, but Jesus established a new family written in heaven for all of those who trusted him and done the will of God. The crowd wanted him to restore the kingdom, but his response was to announce a new kingdom, a spiritual one. So our challenge this morning is who is Jesus for you? Is he insane? Is he crazy? Or is he a part of your family? And we also have a challenge this morning for our own earthly families, regardless of what our relationships are. We're called to build community. And so let's make the two one. Let's not have two separate families. But may we do God's will in both of our families, in our Christian family and our earthly family. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, as we think about this passage, we thank you that Jesus had difficult times in his life and that you give us permission to also have difficult times. We give you thanks that you see everything, that you don't miss a thing that happens in our lives. We recall to our minds our family and we pray for each member within our family now praying that you would bless them. And whether they are a part of our Christian family or not, help us to display Christ-likeness through our heart and all that we say and do. Father, as we are a part of our Christian family, help us to build community within. Help us to do your will always. And as we go from this place, May we not have just listened to this passage, but may we let it change us and transform us and mould us into the people that you want us to be. A people whose names are written in heaven, who are part of your family. In Jesus' name, Amen. We continue in a time of prayer. Let us pray. Loving God, in Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit, you show us that there is always room at your table for more. There is always enough time for everyone to be listened to. There is always enough respect for everyone to be valued. There is always enough truth for everyone to grow and learn. There is always a second chance for those who once turned away. And for that, we give you our utmost thanks. Eternal God, whose son Jesus bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, hear us when we pray for those in need, for the hungry and the homeless, 
for the disabled. The mentally afflicted and depressed. The sick and the dying. The lonely and the bereaved. Help us, O Lord, who offer these prayers to take the suffering of others upon ourselves and by your grace become agents of the transforming love through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord, as restrictions begin to ease and we welcome family and friends back into our homes, we are reminded that your Son made his home among us here on earth. Help us to recognise his presence in our homes. Let love abound within our walls and grant that every activity would be dedicated to you. May all who visit have a haven of joy and peace. And may our homes be a foretaste of the eternal home which Jesus has gone to prepare for us, where we shall be with him forevermore. As summer fast approaches, we pray for students, for teachers, for classroom assistants, and all who work within education. We pray that this summer and the time off would be a time of relaxation and refreshment. We pray especially for those who await exam results and places within higher education that they would know of the impact that you have on their lives, that you have planned each step, that you know where they will go and who they will become, and that you will light the path before them. Lord, we bring before you everything that we have witnessed on our news this week. We lift up to each person who has lost due to the pandemic. We pray for those who have tested positive this week. We pray for countries in a time of unrest, that you would be their author of peace. We pray for our local government that you would guide them into doing what is right and good for your people. Eternal Father, it is your joy to call us to serve you across the barriers of language and culture. Give all who serve you across the globe strength and courage in your service and satisfy their longing to make the good news of Jesus known. We especially remember the people of Chile and Cristobal. When they are in danger, save them from fear. When they are disheartened, be their friend. When they think they have failed, show them the cross. Give them peace in their hearts and their homes. God of mystery, sower, saviour, 
Spirit. We worship you and we ask you to give us eyes to notice where the seeds of your kingdom are growing. Courage to show them to others and faith to encourage, to help and to nurture them. In Jesus' name, Amen. And we say together the prayer that our Father once taught us. Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. <clears throat> Please stand as we affirm our faith in the God who hears our every prayer. We say together, we believe. We believe in God the Father, God Almighty, by whose plan earth and heaven sprang to being, all created things began. We believe in Christ the Saviour, Son of God in human frame, virgin born, the child of Mary, upon whom the Spirit came. Christ who on the cross forsaken, like a lamb to slaughter led, suffered under Pontius Pilate, who descended to the dead. We believe in Jesus risen, heaven's king to rule and reign, to the Father's side ascended, till as judge he comes again. We believe in God the Spirit, in one church below above, saints of God in one communion, one in holiness and love. So by faith our sins forgiven, Christ our Saviour, Lord and Friend, we shall rise with him in glory to the life that has no end. <clears throat> Please be seated. As we end our service this morning, uh, there are just a few little announcements of things that are coming up. DVK and DVY, our children's and youth ministry, um, who have been online for quite a long time. Uh, as restrictions begin to ease, we are hoping to host a barbecue for those who have been involved in DVK and DVY. It will be on the 19th of June. You can see times uh, up above. So if there's any children um, who has been involved in DVY, they're welcome to come along with a parent. That is on the 19th of June. You'll need to sign up online, uh, but there are little links to Google Forms just so that we know any dietary requirements. Pre-warning, Father's Day is approaching soon. So we need to go and get not only our cards, but our presents for our fathers. Dad jokes are acceptable on that day only. And if you have a Father's Day joke or you have your best dad joke, we would love you to take a video and send it in to us. And there will be a prize for the best and worst joke on the 20th of June. Our small step service on a Tuesday morning continues this Tuesday at 10 a.m. It's a short uh, service of morning prayer 
anybody is welcome to attend, but especially those who don't feel um, yet that they can come back on a Sunday. Um, where there's a smaller amount of people, you're welcome. The service should last about 20 to 30 minutes. You may have seen during the week a few people out walking in and about. Uh, we are participating in our Communicating Clearly walk. Um, this is to fundraise uh, not only for audiovisual but also for the nation of Chile and the work of Sam's. So we are walking in the month of June the length of Chile. Um, you will have seen a couple of little videos and maybe photographs up on Facebook. Please do feel free to share them and get the word out about what we're doing. Um, there are donation sheets if you prefer for somebody to write a, a donation on a sheet. There are some at the door on your way out or else you can donate online via the link. As you come in this morning you'll see um, that we're still collecting for food bank and I'm told that this week they're in particular need of shampoo and conditioner. So if you're out doing your groceries this week and you have some extra finance left over, please do um, grab some shampoo and conditioner for Food Bank. A couple of weeks ago, we uh, were advertising that the Christian aid envelopes uh, were out. Um, and unfortunately, they weren't able to fundraise this year as they would have done in previous years by knocking doors. But I'm glad to say that as Derry Volgi Parish, we have raised an amazing £705 for Christian Aid this year. So that is a humongous donation and there's many thanks coming from that organisation. As we go this morning, may the Lord bless us and keep us. May his face shine upon us and may he bring us peace. In Jesus' name. Amen.